listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. find me on Twitter at Taylor L. Pate. Also, make sure you follow the official Apollo Media account at Apollo HOU. Uh, and make sure you hit subscribe uh, on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you find your podcasts. Um, got some exciting stuff to talk about today. Uh, in our first segment, we're going to be talking about uh, a couple of new hires for the Rockets uh, in the front office area. Our second segment, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, that thing that's coming up in a few weeks. You might have heard of it, the NBA draft. Houston has the uh, the second pick. Maybe you've you've kind of thought about that or discussed that. Um, we're going to talk about Evan Mobley and Jalen Green. I'm going to give you my take, my thoughts, and contingency plans. Um, you know, kind of kind of either way, depending on what happens. Uh, in our last segment, I'm answering questions from you guys that were submitted uh, on Twitter, and I'm looking forward to that. So, without further ado, uh, let's talk about the hires. Um, the Rockets today announced that they hired Chris Wallace, uh, formerly of Memphis and Boston, uh, as well as a uh, friend of the pod, Matt Bullard. Just a bit of history uh, on Chris Wallace. Um, again, like I said, he worked for Boston and Memphis. Um, he most recently was demoted to a scouting role uh, in Memphis after, I guess, kind of some rocky decisions. Going all the way back to his um, his early days with Memphis, um, he was the initiator of the Powell and Mark Gasol trade, um, which at the time, like the league was going crazy about, right? Because um, basically, people thought Memphis was getting fleeced. Uh, Greg Popovich came out and said that this is like a sham, and there should be a committee that like oversees these trades and make sure that that you know they're not too one sided and stuff like that. Um, I guess hindsight is a little bit twenty twenty because he did end up getting a lot of praise later for Mark Gasol, you know, turning out, and um, I guess things sort of worked out in that trade. Um, but he he also uh, made some some not so great trades. Um, he traded Kevin Love for OJ Mayo essentially uh, in what was a, a three team deal. Um, Nick Batum went to Portland, Joey Dorsey came to Houston. Uh, and Kevin Love went to Minnesota for O.J. Mayo. Um, obviously, that that is a big miss. You know, Kevin Love is, for a long time there, was putting up, like, triple-double, you know, 30-point triple-doubles nightly. Um, obviously, he's, he's regressed later in his career, but, yeah, that's a big swing and a miss. And later on, he... Uh, he he was also orchestrating the Kyle Lowry to Houston trade. There's there's actually a, a few trades here that involved Houston. So it's, it's kind of, um, you can kind of see where the the link comes from. Um, you know, he's obviously had some familiarity with the, the Houston front office. Um, and yeah, so that Kyle Lowry to Houston trade sent Ray for Austin to, to Orlando. Um, Memphis wound up with a first round pick that later turned into Damari Carroll. I mean, probably not you know, not a great trade either, but at the time probably seemed fine. Um, some of his draft selections, because he was hired in Houston for a scouting role, um, so some of his draft selections that are of note, uh, Xavier Henry, Dominique Jones, Grievous Vasquez, Hashim Tabit, 
Jordan Adams, uh, and recently uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, the biggest thing here is that a lot of these guys do not stand out. If you don't recognize these names, it's you know that that's probably probably not a great sign. Now Hashim Tabit, it's a little bit interesting because there's there's quite a uh, there's quite a debate amongst Grizzlies uh, Twitter and and Grizzlies fans. Um, essentially, there's this big story that came out uh, on Bleacher Report saying that um, that Wallace wanted to draft Steph Curry, um, and the owner at the time uh, stepped in and and made the decision um, to draft Hashim to beat. That probably turned out to be one of the biggest all time blunders. Uh, Hashim Tabit was an absolute bust. Never could get his his feet going in the NBA. Um, just just you know, kind of a disappointing, um, kind of a disappointing prospect after it all turned out. Um, so, you know, looking forward, you kind of have to start thinking about these things. You know, he is now the director of scouting for the Rockets. Uh, that's kind of a big deal. He's going to have a lot of input, and and his his lackluster um, record thus far is is kind of jarring. Um, now, luckily, he's not going to be making you know, all of the trade decisions. He doesn't have ultimate power or anything like that. Um, but he, you know, he is going to have a big say-so in who they draft. And his talent evaluation thus far is kind of lackluster. Um, that being said, he did uh, draft Mike Conley, which is a good hit. I mean, that's, you know, Mike Conley's a, a Hall of Famer. Um, so, there, you know, there is some some uh, track history there, track record there. Um but man, that's a little bit worrisome. I'm not gonna lie. You know, you start to factor in. Uh, he also gave Chandler Parsons a, a 94 million dollar contract um, when his medical team basically told him, "Look, this guy's got like geriatric knees." So the record there certainly is not untarnished. You know, there's 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 some things to to definitely keep an eye on um, as far as talent evaluation. And, and how that pertains to this year's draft. I'm not sure how much um, say he's going to have now. Um, you know, he's coming in three weeks before the draft. Um, I'm pretty sure that Houston has been doing their due diligence since they found out they got the pick. Um, you know, who knows? But let's move on to Matt Bullard, who I think is a fantastic hire for the Rockets. Um, this is a guy who... Not only is he the voice that you know and love for 18 years on TV, this is a guy who himself was a bit of a unicorn uh, as a tall guy who who could shoot. Um, you you kind of start to see the the Rockets putting all these different voices in, into a, a front office, and and you see guys who embrace analytics, and you see guys who um, you know can can kind of give you these different perspectives and different walks of life. Uh, different walks of basketball and I think what what you're going to wind up with is you know a lot of talking points a lot of different discussions uh, around uh, methodology and um, you know what's the best way to go about this and you'll get different perspectives Um, you know Matt is is obviously someone who embraces uh, the modern NBA he's somebody who I think is a very level-headed um you know, easygoing, laid-back kind of guy, which seems like the the type of person that Rafael Stone, um, you know, kind of is is bringing around for his front office. And look, there is some inexperience here, right? Matt is new to this. 
Raphael Stone is new to this. Steven Silas is new to this. There is a lot of inexperience and and growth potential um, for this front office, coaching staff, etc. But what you've seen is is with with every bit of youth that comes in, the Rockets are also bringing in two or three veterans. <clears throat> and so what you kind of get is this this new age NBA, you know, high velocity, uh, loss of threes, and just a huge emphasis on shooting. And then you have guys who have been doing this for 20, 25 years, and they're taking their, their expertise and their knowledge, and they're saying, okay, look, I see your vision. We're going to go out and we're going to scout for that. We're going to look for that specifically. And what that does is that that gives Rafael Stone and Steven Silas a blank slate. They're going to get players that they want. They're going to not have to deal with um, the after effects of losing James Harden and and Daryl Morey's contracts um, and and just things of yesteryear. They're going to move forward with a blank slate. They're going to have their own guys. They're going to get all the say so, um, and that that will help them not only build um, for their present, but also build for the, the, the future of the franchise, which is ultimately the goal here. Um, Rafael Stone is coming in as a rookie GM, but he's got you know over a decade of experience. He's been with this front office. He's got familiarity. Um, he's got a close relationship with Tillman Fertitta. And this draft can be the turning point for Rafael Stone's uh, tenure as the Rockets GM. He gets to put his own stamp on it. We can see his vision come together, see the team that he puts out on the court, um, and, and kind of get an idea of, of you know what we've got here in Houston with Rafael Stone. Um, currently, all we really know is what's left over from the James Harden trade, and I think the, the best way to make sure that he succeeds is putting guys like uh, Matt Bullard, guys like Chris Wallace, who have been around not only the game, but been around the front offices, um, seen all kinds of different trade scenarios and, and just knows their way around the league. And I think that's that's invaluable for a young uh, up-and-coming GM. Speaking of the draft, we are going to talk uh, in the next segment about Evan Mobley, Jalen Green, uh, Jalen Suggs, and I've got some different scenarios for both, you know. Um, contingency plans for if Mobley's the guy or if Green's the guy. We're going to find out, you know, exactly what the draft strategy might look like. And then after that, I will be answering questions from you guys on Twitter. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU, all Houston, all original. And continuing on here at the Launchpad Podcast, brought to you by Apollo Media. If you enjoyed the show, please do us a favor and uh, leave a review, some stars, tell us what you think, give us your insight. We absolutely love hearing from you guys, and uh, it would definitely help us out. You know, give us some some critical feedback. Even let me know where I'm uh, where I'm lacking, or you know what you love about the show. Um, either way, I want to hear from you guys. We we love hearing from you guys. And ultimately, you are the reason that we do this. So, yeah, I want to hear from you guys. So, the great debate. Evan Mobley, Jalen Green, and to a lesser extent, Jalen Suggs. And if Detroit really, royally screws things up, Cade Cunningham. Where do the chips fall come July 29th? 
because let's be honest, this is a franchise-altering move. To even be in this position is already, you know, such a fantastic spot for the Rockets because they could be sitting here with the 18th pick. They are in such a great position to start this rebuild. And in my opinion, there is not a wrong choice here, um, at least between two of these guys. So I'm going to start with Evan Mobley. I think Evan Mobley is an absolute stud, a unicorn. He is a guy you can absolutely start building around immediately. Does he need to develop some size? Yes. Does he need to work on his shot? Yes. But he's a seven-foot, shot-blocking, ball-handling, passing big, and you just do not find that aside from, like, Nikola Jokic. So this is a really hard, you know, this is a really hard guy to pass up. I mean, ultimately, he is um, hes just a complete package. I mean, you're getting so much with him, offensively, defensively, that it's really hard to see the other side of things. Now, should the Rockets draft Evan Mobley, what does the rest of the draft look like for them? So you're probably thinking, you know, they're drafting a big man, so um, they're going to be looking at guards, okay? Trey Mann, who uh, recently worked out for the San Antonio Spurs and I believe is going to be working out with the Rockets very soon. Bones Highland, another guy who uh, worked out for the Rockets this week. Sharif Cooper. These are some names you might start looking at, um, thinking about, if if the Rockets go the Mobley direction, because you're going to want some strong guard play surrounding uh, Evan Mobley. You've got Kevin Porter Jr. already. And so I think somebody like like Bones Highland especially makes a lot of sense. He's very good off the catch. Um, his shot is just spectacular. He can add some size. He's got some length. Um, just looks like, like, you know, a really good prospect overall. Then you look at a guy like Sharif Cooper, who he just, like, he just wants to to you know, pound the ball down your throat. He wants to get to the lane. He's a good passer. Um, you know, probably given the size, this would move KPJ to like a, a shooting guard role. Um, but at, honestly, in a in an offense like Steven Silas's, anybody can be a playmaker and anybody can pass the ball. Um, and, and ultimately, I, I don't think that that would be a problem. You you can't really have too much playmaking, and so that that would be a, a good problem for the Rockets to have. Um, you know, if if they were to have multiple playmakers on the floor. And having a guy like Evan Mobley, you know, to build around, this is, look, you're looking at a guy who averaged 16, 9, 3 blocks, only 2 fouls, uh, and 2.5 and and assists. And when you consider how hard it is to find size that can shoot, but also play defense on the perimeter and switch effectively, you've got a prospect in front of you that you can plug in anywhere at the four, at the five, can play alongside Christian Wood, not a problem. Um, this is really hard to pass up. And so what would what would make you want to pass something like that up? And then Jalen Green steps in. And Jalen Green is just this complete scorer. He is uh, a playmaker. He's got this tenacity and this this um, this will to be the best. You know, the the Kelly Eco 
article that came out just just explained so well about the the attitude that somebody like Jalen Green has, and he he wants to be the next Kobe. He wants to he wants to be the number one pick, and it's almost that Chris Paul mentality where you know nobody's gonna stop you from getting to to your goal and and you're going to get there by any means necessary and that's really hard to find especially when you consider that according to reports the rockets are already um questioning evan mobley's commitment to the game um which i i you know this is look if you're going to try to sell me on guys not wanting to be there or um you know, some sort of like love for the game type of thing. Listen, these guys are the top of the top of the 1%. They are already at the point where they are going to be drafted to be the cornerstone of a franchise, at least these top four guys. Their love of the game is already displayed by the fact that they are where they are. They wouldn't have gotten to where they're at right now if not for their love of the game, right? And, and believe me, after that rookie contract is up, there, guess what there's going to be motivation for? That next big contract. There is no question in my mind that any of these guys who get drafted have more than enough love for the game. That being said, Jalen Green might have the most love for the game out of these guys. Um, that guy wants to win. He wants to be the best. Um, and that's really hard to find. And on top of that, he's got the game to back it up. Right, this is a guy who averaged 18 points, uh, four rebounds, three assists in the G League, playing against you know NBA schemes, playing against NBA players. Um, that's really hard to match, and and so when you look at potentially having the next decade of a backcourt consisting of Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green, your mouth starts to water. I mean, these are two guys who you know, according to Instagram, are already close. Uh, and they faced off against each other in the G League this season. And and these are guys who are dynamic, playmaking, shot-making guards that do not come across every day in the NBA. Like, this is not something that you find all the time. This is a chance for, like, a generational type of talent in your backcourt for the next decade. And so that's really hard to pass up. And if Jalen Green is the pick... I think there are some guys, you know, in this draft, you know, the Rockets have the 23rd and 24th picks. The back end of the lottery in this draft is filled with teams that are competing right now, right? Golden State, Indiana, uh, Washington, maybe to a lesser extent, San Antonio. There are places for you to move up in this draft and get, you know, maybe a Jalen Johnson who's got an NBA-ready body and, and a, you know, a fairly complete game all around. And then later in the draft, you know, the the constituency surrounding JT Thor right now um, is kind of all over the place. Like some people have him in the 30s. Some people have him moving way, way up, like ridiculously high. A guy like JT Thor is a really intriguing prospect because he can shoot a little bit, shot, you know, almost 30% from three, um, he's got the height, he's, uh, he's athletic, he can handle the ball, he's got insanely long arms, he's you know got the potential to be a nightmare defensively. 
And really, this is a draft that is pretty guard heavy. Um, there's not a lot of uh, forwards, not a lot of centers. Um, and so where you can get that talent, you, you need to. Um, JT Thor is one of those kind of guys that you're probably drafting on you know potential and the, the idea that you can develop uh, this guy into you know, an NBA body and, and um, give him the tools to become the, the type of player that he has the potential to. And I think an interesting perspective here on this draft is that um, in that late lottery, like I said, there are teams who are trying to compete now, and the Rockets do have someone like Eric Gordon who they can package with one of their later uh, first-round picks. Rather than using both picks to move up, they can package Eric Gordon to one of these teams that's trying to win right now and you know, save one of those draft picks and maybe take a guy like JT Thor later on. Um, and, and then that allows you to get another late lottery pick, and then you can sort of take more risks later on in the draft, right? So if you take somebody who's a project, then you have time and, and there's less investment there than if you were to commit two first-round picks here for what could be viewed as a a project and I'm going to give you a heads up here that's where my tier for the Rockets stops one of those two guys it's Evan Mobley it's Jalen Green Jalen Suggs to me is a tier below these guys um, and and that's not a shot at Jalen Suggs it's just to me the prospect of Evan Mobley and the potential that he has to become just a complete unicorn, you know, even more so than than someone like Kristaps Porzingis. And then the willingness and the drive and the motivation and the talent uh, of someone like Jalen Green, those things outweigh the potential that Jalen Suggs, to me, brings to a team like the Rockets. That is not to take away from what Jalen Suggs is, which I think is a tenacious scorer, um, you know, has to me like like great six-man energy. And maybe I'm completely wrong there, but but that's, that's kind of where I see uh, Jalen Suggs slotting in long-term. I'm willing to be wrong about that. That's like PSA. That that's completely okay if I'm if I'm just way off base here, and then there's the last possibility, which is that um, there are reports that the Pistons are just enamored with Jalen Green, and again we hear that he wants to go number one for whatever reason. If the Pistons select Jalen Green number one, Cade Cunningham is the Rockets' pick, no questions asked. He is a complete player. He is ready for the NBA right now. He's got more poise than than just about any rookie I've seen, you know, in the last 12 years, 15 years, something like that. If the Pistons make the mistake of passing on Cade Cunningham, he is the pick. I think we can all agree on that. But for me, my official statement right here, right now, I am part of Green Gang. And I know what you're going to say, Taylor, but Mobley, have you seen him play? Yes, I have. I know. Again, I'm willing to be wrong here. 
but I don't think you can make a bad draft choice between Evan Mobley and Jalen Green. And to me, Jalen Green is the guy. He is the guy right now. And that's going to do it for this segment. Next up, I'm going to be answering some questions from you guys on Twitter. And we're going to discuss uh, some comments and an apology made by Rachel Nichols. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU. All Houston. All original. All right. We are in the final segment of my first episode hosting the Launchpad podcast. Um, It's been a ton of fun. I wanted to hear from you guys on Twitter. What questions do you have um, about the upcoming season, about the offseason, free agents, the draft, whatever it might be. And I've got a few of those here right now. So the first question is going to come in from Grant. Um, He asks, what would you give up for Miles Turner, assuming the Rockets draft a guard, which they should in parentheses? This is kind of a tough one for me. Um, I don't, I don't hate the the prospect of uh, trading for Miles Turner. I guess, you know, Indiana is in the 13th spot in the draft. So they're one of those teams that you can probably sell Eric Gordon on, uh, especially given the Indiana connection. Um, Maybe that's somewhere you can move up to. Maybe you can interest them in, you know, 23 plus Eric Gordon. Um, But... To me, that doesn't feel like a, you know, that doesn't feel like enough for for Miles Turner for them from their perspective. Um, I don't know that I'd feel comfortable throwing in that second draft pick. Maybe you know you can sell them on a future first from Washington or uh, I don't know. That that's a really tough one. I feel like. The Rockets would have a hard time getting Indiana to agree to something like that. Miles Turner's a, you know, pretty pretty good young player. Um, twenty five years old. Um does a lot of things. A lot of things that, that, you know, we say um are hard to find. He's a big guy who can shoot, he blocks shots, plays defense. Um yeah, that that's a tough one right there. The next question is coming in from Clutch City Bros at MattyChuck89 on Twitter. Uh, what would be your free agent target after drafting Mobley or Green? Would you try and re-sign Olenek if we draft Mobley? So I actually feel the opposite. If the Rockets were to draft uh, Jalen Green, I feel like uh, a Kelly Olenek signing makes more sense. Um if if you re-sign Olenek and you have uh, Mobley and Christian Wood, you're looking at a you know there's just there's too many players and not enough minutes, um, and and especially for a guy that you're bringing in as the cornerstone of your franchise, you want him eating up minutes. You know you want him getting that experience in, um, and and while Olenek is a great guy to learn from, um, I feel like paying him the kind of money that he's going to command will ultimately hinder your team in the long run uh, just for that that veteran experience type of thing. Um, some players that I feel like the Rockets should target if they do draft Evan Mobley, um, perhaps a Lonzo Ball 
uh, who's a restricted free agent. But that's maybe one of those spots. You know, New Orleans has a 10th pick. Maybe you can uh, package something around Lonzo Ball because um, they're, you know, they're, Zion is reportedly unhappy. And whatever they need to do to, to move move their franchise to the next step, um, maybe getting getting something in return for Lonzo Ball uh, in restricted free agency is the move for them. Um, and I feel like he could come to the Rockets and, you know, be kind of a, a, a dynamic playmaking defensive minded guard to play alongside Kevin Porter Jr. and kind of compliment him in, in some of the ways that, that he's still growing. Um, so I think that's a good area to look if the Rockets were to draft Jalen Green. I think that somebody like Laurie Markkinen um, would be a good, uh, also a restricted free agent. Um, look, the Bulls just just traded a massive haul for uh, Nikola Vucevic and missed the playoffs and gave up their picks to Orlando. Um, you know they're they're going to need to move their franchise along to the next um, to the next step. Otherwise, they're in no man's land for a long time. Um, you know, they went all in on the Vucevic trade and, you know, maybe recouping some picks from that, something like that would, you know, help them, uh, you know, get to that next step. The next question comes in from at uh, Mean Old Owl on Twitter, and he asks, what pitchers will be gone from the staff next season? Sir, this is a Wendy's. No, I'm just kidding. Our own Anthony Duckett asks, how do we tame the loser of the green versus Mobley war? And here's my answer to that. There is no loser, okay? When you see either of these guys suit up in a Rockets uniform next year, you're going to be excited. You're going to be happy that the Rockets even have that pick, that they're in the position that they're in. And you're going to understand that while you may not have gotten the the guy of your choice one as long as he doesn't go to a team that you don't like you can root for that guy anyway and two you got a winner no matter what both of these guys are damn near can't miss product uh, prospects and and there's not a loser either way so what i would say is if you're having trouble you're upset you you know your your guy didn't get drafted by the rockets I would just say take a step back, wait, practice a little bit of, you know, Yumo Gwegwai Fai Ditsao, and, you know, take a deep breath because it's going to be okay. Regardless, the team is in good hands, and they got one of their guys. The next question comes in from, again, our own Apollo Dez, at Apollo Dez1 on Twitter. How do you maximize the draft and the future of the Rockets without punting the present? And I think this is kind of a two-pronged answer. And the first part is you don't, right? Punting the present is not necessarily that big of a deal. Because if you if you are a team who projects to not be very good and you have a lot of picks, and you're trying to build something, you know, find that next cornerstone piece, maybe it's okay if you're not good for a couple of years. Um, This sucks, and it's not fun, and rebuilding is hard, 
and it's so much different than competing and you know having championship expectations but losing in this sense is not you know the worst case scenario um especially when you have a team full of young guys um and if you have you know Kevin Porter Jr and Jalen Green as your backcourt a lot of times backcourt you know guards um tend to be slower to come around especially defensively um whereas they might be ahead offensively um so you may see a few years here where the Rockets don't have a very good defense but they're like an electric offense that you know sometimes puts up 140 uh, on any given night the biggest thing the Rockets should be focused on is developing their talent, good principles, good habits, um, making sure that that you know the coaching staff is who needs to be in place and and um, the personnel is doing their job, developing, learning, becoming better NBA players, and then later on you might make a big you know, free agency splash, or you've built enough from the ground up like the Hawks, um, you know, and, and, and your talent is carrying you to the, to the playoffs. So I think the focus for the most part for Rockets over the next two to three years should be talent accumulation, asset accumulation, and development and, and productivity uh, for the, their young players. That's kind of where I see things going for the Rockets, and that's where I think that um, a lot of people are going to struggle because they're used to seeing James Harden. They're used to seeing uh, a team that you know gets to the, the Western Conference Finals, and this is such a drastic turn from that. But there can definitely be a lot of fun in rebuilding. You're going to learn a lot about a, a lot of young guys. You're going to get to uh, start you know, seeing dudes who light it up in the Elite Eight and the Final Four, and you're be like, man, the Rockets could draft this guy. And it's just going to be like a, a different level of excitement, like a different type of excitement. Before we finish up today, I just wanted to bring light to um, some of the stuff that's been going on in the national NBA media this week. Rachel Nichols unfortunately made some very disturbing comments um, and those comments were apparently, you know, on a live recording where multiple people heard. And the comments surrounded Maria Taylor, ESPN's, um, I guess, PR nightmare, to use her words, um, and and essentially saying that Maria Taylor got to where she was or is because of ESPN's need for a diversity hire. This is an incredibly problematic statement because Rachel Nichols herself is a woman in the sports industry who, you know, definitely had to work hard to get where she's at. And she doesn't need to be tearing down other women, black women, in order to elevate herself. It comes from a position of fragility. It comes from a position of insecurity and it does not have to be this way women in the sports world already have a tough enough time breaking in showing that they are the badasses that they are without having another woman tear them down uh, or or minimize their accomplishments um, and and call it 
you know, due to a diversity hire. It's unfair to Maria Taylor. It's unfair to any other black women in the industry. It's unnecessary. And it's completely ridiculous to try and build your platform on the backs of the premise that these women did not get to where they are because of their accolades or their accomplishments or, you know, uh, hard work, but instead because ESPN needed to fill a gap in order to appease people. Rachel Nichols disrespected Maria Taylor. She disrespected every other black woman in the sports industry. And she gave a seven second apology. That's not good enough. It's not good enough for me. It's not good enough for Maria Taylor. It's not good enough for, you know, young aspiring black women who are trying to get into this industry and have to face people like you who are in positions of power and seats of power and have been, you know, in that seat for multiple, multiple years to disregard their work and their history because it inconveniences you. It's unfair, and removing her from the sideline for the duration of the finals was not enough. She should have been officially suspended. ESPN needs to do better here. They need to do better for all of their future employees, all of their current employees, and a precedent needs to be set that this is not acceptable, it's not okay, and it won't be acceptable in the future either. On a lighter note, that is going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, make sure you uh, subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. Leave us some reviews. Give us your feedback. Uh, make sure you follow us at Apollo HOU on Twitter. Uh, this show can be followed at Apollo Launchpad on Twitter. Check out our website, ApolloHOU.com. We've got blogs, merch, uh, video content, podcasts, um, just all the, all the original Houston sports content you could possibly want. Launchpad podcast covering your Houston Rockets.